Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. All right, and welcome back to Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Mortensen here as we take a deep dive into the lessons of leadership influence. Appreciate all your love and support. Remember, you can reach me at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com or on the website, MaximizeYourInfluence.com. As you know, the podcast can be found at iTunes, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, all the fun places. Tell your family, friends, and enemies about the podcast. As we get into lessons and leadership today, what is it about leadership influence that gets you more yeses? That gets people to want to do what you want them to do and like doing it. Not because they have to, but because they want to. Hope you're having a great week, achieving your goals. Mine was a relatively easy week, not a lot on the calendar. It's always good to reset, rewind, and work on some of those other projects. But let's dive into it. Let's get into the persuasion blunder of the week. Don't, don't, don't. So we had a big gathering, a family gathering at a restaurant. Not sure if I should name names. It was a Korean restaurant, and we got our own little private room. And with Korean restaurants, a lot of times you're cooking your own food. It's really good. It's good eating. It just didn't go well. It was in the afternoon, a little bit later in the afternoon, and we had to wait to get seated. All right, we can handle that. And then here comes in our grumpy waiter, who, of course, has no ownership, but... uh, you know, they work on tips. You think they'd be friendly, smile, none of that. They talked about, this is what we're doing. It's all you can eat. If you're doing this, you have a side order sushi, you do that. But hey, if I catch you eating somebody else's sushi, I'm going to charge you full price. You're like, whoa, whoa, okay, sushi police. It was just very negative, very condescending. Then we had a grandma there who wasn't going to do an all-you-could-eat type thing. And we wanted to get her the kids thing. And like, oh, well, geez. And it was just this big to-do just this one time, if you tell anybody, I'm like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and then they bring us out all these small portions. This is all you can eat. And I get it. You know, the plates were incredibly small. Smaller than, I would say, two inches, two by two. This is your plate that you're eating on. And the psychology, I get it, to where the smaller the plate, the less you eat. That's just how it is. The bigger the plate, the bigger the cup, the more you eat, the more you drink. That's the psychology, and so there's the fine line between following the psychology and say, really, this is what you're giving me, this little child's plate? (laughs) I mean, very small portions, and of course, they want you to ask them for more, because the more you have to ask, the less people tend to ask. Then as we start order, they're like, oh yeah, well, the chef went home. We're like, what's going on? So the chefs get home, so we can't order part of this meal, because the chef's gone home. Like, well, this is a restaurant, but I guess they have this little window where they close and let the chef go home. And then the kicker is, hey, your time's up. You guys need to leave. (laughs) Like, what? Yeah, we need to reset and do some other things. You only should be here this amount of time. And here's your bill. 18% gratuity was added, but I would sure like more. (laughs) Like, wow. 
We got like 10, 20 different things going wrong here. Little attitude, you want more, you didn't treat us like that. All these things going wrong. Anyway, you've had these experiences before. And of course, not going back. Not going to recommend it. Not going to give it good reviews. But this is for you too to understand when you meet someone for the first time, that first impression, things need to go right. When you go to a hotel, when you go to a restaurant, when you go to fill in the blank, a retail establishment, the first two, three, four, five, six things go wrong. I'll say two or three. The first two or three things go wrong. Then you look for everything else that goes wrong. First two things go right. If you would have been smiled, been friendly, apologized, been a little nicer. The way they reveal the bad news about you know the chef going home and other things all makes a big difference. Again, the psychology of a two-inch plate, get it. Of a small cup, get it. Small portions, get it. But there's a time and place to where you don't want to get too extreme on the psychology because it will backfire on you. So that is your persuasion blunder of the week. So with that, let's dive into the reader email. Oh, boy. Now, remember, if I use your email on the podcast, you get the gold version of InfluenceUniversity.com, our high-end persuasion training with all the tools. So send them in with your questions, comments, rude remarks, jokes, things you want to talk about, things you want clarified. In fact, do go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com. All the information you need there, the coaching, the archives, the free book, Maximum Influence your free persuasion IQ assessment, things you need to know to take your persuasion, influence, negotiation, mindset to the next level. So this comes from Sam from New York City, New York in the United States. It says, Kurt, I was at a leadership seminar you were leading a few months ago. And I want to spend a little more time on something you said. Help me understand. You mentioned that politicians are not leaders. Could you give us some lessons in leadership and understanding how not to become a political type leader? <laughs> okay. Well, let me do a little disclaimer up front. Now, I agree that's a pretty big statement. No politicians are leaders. You might be able to find some in history that are leaders, maybe. Again, with that disclaimer, I'm not a party person. I don't support a party. I'm more with George Washington, he was the first president of the United States and the only president of the United States that didn't represent a political party. Now, this is around the world. Everyone has their parties. They support their parties. They vote party, not person. In fact, an interesting study was done where they took people to this hotel. They're like, we're going to go watch our political party, see if we're going to vote for this candidate. And they went and they're like, What'd you think? Like, oh, they were awesome. They were incredible. Would you vote for them? Of course. They're like, oh, you know what? We went to the wrong room. That's the other party. And then it just, whoop. Oh, no, you know, I can't vote for them and do this. You're like, hello, you were a minute ago. And then all of a sudden, because of party, you won't. Kind of interesting dynamic around the world. Anyway, back to George Washington. Again, first president of the United States. He said something really interesting, which is kind of the premise of what we'll be talking about today. He was talking about you can't have political parties. They'll divide. They'll destroy the country. In fact, he said, talking about the party, serves always to distract the public. It agitates the community with ill-founded jealousies and false alarms. Kindles the animosity of one part against another. Formats occasional riots and insurrection. <laughs> Interesting. So that's where I'm coming from. That's my disclaimer. Again, you might in history find someone 
that was a great political leader. But for the most part, right now, especially around the world, no, very, very different. In fact, I don't even consider managers leaders. The manager's like, well, I told them to do it, and they did. No, managers tasked to do it because they have to. A leader, you do it because you want to. So in the same realm, I don't consider politicians leaders. I mean, it becomes very divisive with these parties where in the United States, you've lost one of your six friends based on politics. But again, this is around the world. When you talk about politics, it's very interesting. And of course, that's the first rule of persuasion public speaking is you don't bring up religion, politics, even sports for a lot of people, because you'll lose half your audience. They'll be mad at you before you even get started. You persuade on what you're supposed to persuade on. Leave everything else to the side. People that bring up politics just because and like you lose half your audience, why would you do that? All right, put that aside. There's my disclaimer. Let's talk about it. And you have to understand with leadership, leaders don't get to choose the people that follow them. These are people in business, maybe in a charity, to where these are the people that are assigned to you that you need to lead. All of them. See, a lot of times politicians is that they just lead the people that like them, that believe like them, that understand them, that vote for them, everyone else. It doesn't unify. It doesn't bring everyone together. A true leader, think of a a sports team. That's great leadership. That coach is bringing people with different beliefs, different styles, different cultures, different mindsets, different religions, different fill-in-the-blank everything, backgrounds, to come together for a common goal and to win. That's what a true leader does. They don't just lead the good players. They have to lead all the players. And those players that have to eventually decide if they're going to follow them as a leader. I mean, they have the option to maybe go another team, to quit, to go another company, if you're looking at it that way. So true leadership is something that is earned. It's not based on a position or a title. You could be on a team and be the leader, but not be the official boss or have that authority or that title. You could be the one leading that team. So when you look at politics versus religions, politics focuses on programs, having these programs, not the people. It doesn't matter how the people, it's more about the programs. Now, when I talk about people, that's the purpose, the people, building the people versus building the programs. And with politicians, I'm just saying most, you might find some that aren't this way. It's not about serving. You've heard about servant leadership, where you're serving people, helping people, building people, taking them to the next level. Politics is about getting noticed, getting reelected, the attention, the ego that you have this spot, you have this position. True leaders don't do that. They don't need that recognition, that attention, that ego. That's the difference. That's servant leadership. And that's the downfall of politics because it's all about getting reelected, the next election, staying in power. You don't want to groom someone else to take your position. It happens, but it's very rare. Maybe when you can't run again or you're getting too old, you might groom somebody else. But for the most part, it's about staying in power. And you're willing to destroy others to stay in that position. Maybe some people in your own party you're willing to destroy, and especially people on the other side that are trying to take your spot, your position. You're willing to do, say anything, get in the mud, bring out the worst in people. And this is one of the reasons trust in politicians is an all-time low. Around the world, it's because of what happens. It's very negative. They're not trying to build other people up. They want this position. They want to stay in power. They don't want to be replaced. And it divides, does not unify. 
So you can't compare a politician to, say, a spiritual leader. There's been many spiritual leaders around the world through history that built and unified and improved countries, improved people, taught principles that made people better, that made societies better. They didn't need the recognition. They didn't need to step on people to get there. That's the difference. Now, you'll see some of this political stuff, we'll say an organization, and people do jockey for position. They do try to step on people to do that, but that's not truly the person that you want to be your leader. Because if someone's seeking the position, we got to be careful. If they're all about the approval and the ratings, you got to be careful. And those are the lessons in leadership. Those are the things that we need to understand. A great leader builds people up, unifies not just the people that like, that believe in them, that think like them, they beautify and build everyone. They have to earn it to the point where people accept them as leaders, not just the managers or the boss or the president, but as true leaders. Now, I'm not saying this is super easy. It can be done. It can be learned. But just because you are appointed to be in a position or earned a political spot does not make you a leader. You're in control. You're the boss. You can make certain things happen. But those are just certain things to think about as we talk about those lessons and leaders. So, Sam, that's the answer to your questions. Are politicians leaders? No, not usually. Managers aren't always leaders. It's possible that you could find a politician that's unifying that's a leader. Very rare. Send me an email if you want to point some out. You might find some in history. But those are some things to think about as we talk about those differences between being a leader, being a manager, being a politician, and understanding how influence works in each one of those realms. In fact, let's follow up with that with our scholarly article. This comes from impactor.com. Sam sent this to me, and we're going to go through it. I'll put the link at MaximizeYourInfluence.com under the podcast. And it kind of follows this, why democracy produces incompetent leaders and how to fix it. (laughs) Now, remember, across the board, across the world, trust in media, trust in politicians, all-time low. And they talked about a survey that trust in government was at 17%. This one was in the United States. 17% trust their government. And as we divide up that 17%, only 3% was just about always, and 14% was most of the time. And they continued to do another research with 27 other countries, found out that 51% are dissatisfied with the way democracy is working. Most didn't like the leaders, the parties, the movements. Again, all-time low around the world. I think it used to be with politicians, like, all right, I'll trust you, give me a reason not to. Now it's like, yeah, if you want to be a politician, you are a politician, I don't trust you. Better give me a reason to trust you. And so this article talks about that elections don't deliver the kind of political leaders people want. I mean, you've had elections. I'm not going to name names where, really, these are my choices. Out of all the people in this country, these are my choices. (laughs) Right? And like, how did we get here? And what's interesting, they said that voters generally favor policies that enhance their own well-being with little consideration for future generations or long-term outcomes. Politicians are rewarded for pandering to voters' immediate demands and desires. Okay, so they're putting it back on the voters. we got to go both ways on that one, but I can see where that could happen. That they're looking at the short term, they're not thinking about the long term, they're appealing to people's greed glands, as we call them, things that they want now. 
instead of the community or long-term. That's probably the way most countries are severely in debt, is not thinking about down the road. It's all about the now. So this article, written by Claude Fortholm, and he quotes Dambisa Moyo, and he's an economist from Africa, and he talks about why democracy produces bad leaders, the way the system is broken. Kind of interesting. He says there's too many elections, and we see that a lot of times too, where they're always, they get elected, then they have to worry about the next election, it's so close. Then again, on the flip side, we want someone there that's in there too long. Next one was interest group lobbying where politicians tend to respond to the demands of their fundraisers instead of the voters. Yeah, it comes down to the money. Follow the money. Who's paid the most money? Agreed on that one. Voter ignorance and disinformation. (laughs) Who's telling the truth? What is true? You see these commercials back-to-back by two opposing political candidates. You're like, okay, according to this, both of you stink and not qualified. Who's telling the truth? What's going on? It's hard to tell. So voters aren't caring, they're not doing the research, they are ignorant, and of course there's the disinformation with a lot of these ads and groups that put out these ads. Another one is incompetent political leaders. <laughs> hey, they look good on the outside, they're, maybe they're polished, they've learned how to public speak and say the right things, but you know they're not smart enough to be a leader and understand how to run a country or a state. Agreed with that one. It's kind of funny, on a side note, is watching political leaders, they get really good at what I call fill in the blank. Democracy, freedom, peace, love, whatever it is. What do those mean? Those mean different things to everybody, but every individual person fills the blank. They're like, oh, they're talking to me. They're talking about freedom. And everyone defines that differently. Very vague. Maybe never even answer their questions and we never really understand if they're competent or incompetent. So there you have it. Get a feel for the difference there between being forced to follow somebody to want to follow somebody. And of course, here at Maximize Your Influence, we want the influence. We want people to be around you, to follow you, to want to follow you and want to do what you're asking them to do. That's true influence. Not being forced, manipulative, backed into a corner, do it because you're fired. Whatever area you're in, that's not what we're looking for. So thanks for being here. Let me know your takeaways. And I want you to focus on one thing this week. Are the people you're influencing, you're trying to persuade, are they doing it because they want to, they're excited to do it, they want to tell other people about it, or are they doing it because they have to, they feel forced, they feel obligated to do it? That can be a big shift for you in persuasion, sales, leadership, whatever you're doing, where people feel like they're making their own decisions, you're helping them persuade themselves, you're leading them down the path of true influence. Again, thanks for being here. Please leave us some feedback. Let me know in your emails what you think. And let's get to the special of the week. We're continuing with the perfect persuasive presentation. So go to Presentation IQ, and you get to take your Presentation IQ assessment. It's just 10 questions. It helps me with my research, helps you understand your strengths and things you need to work on, then I'll give you for free my training on the perfect persuasive presentation. I'll have the template, everything you need to do, so you're not just informing, but you're influencing. You're not just presenting, you're persuading. There's a big difference step by step. So take it, check it out, PresentationIQ.com. But bottom line, master these skills. Become a student of persuasion, influence, and leadership. 
And when you do that, you're a better negotiator, you're a better person, you're a better leader, a better influencer, and you have the skills to go out and persuade with power.